Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for showing up. It's certainly nice to travel all the way across the North American continent and have a few people come to see you, even if the occasion isn't a happy one. You're here to listen to me talk about social collapse and the various ways we can avoid screwing that up along with everything else that's gone wrong. I know it's a lot to ask of you, because why wouldn't you instead want to go and eat and drink and be merry? Uh, well, perhaps there will still be time left for that after my talk. <laughs> I would like to thank the Long Now Foundation for inviting me, and I feel very honored to appear in the same venue as many serious professional people, such as Michael Pollan, who will be here in May, or some of the uh, previous speakers, such as Nassim Taleb or Brian Eno, um, some of my favorite people, really. Um, I'm just a tourist. I flew over here to give the stock and to take in the sights, and then I'll fly back to Boston and go back to my day job. Well, I'm also a blogger, and I wrote a book, but then everyone has a book, or so it would seem. You might ask yourself, then, why on earth did I get invited to speak here tonight? It seems that I'm enjoying my moment in the limelight because I'm one of the very few people who several years ago unequivocally predicted the demise of the United States as a global superpower. The idea that the USA will go the way of the USSR seemed preposterous at the time. It doesn't seem so preposterous anymore. I take it that some of you are still hedging your bets. Um, how is that hedge fund doing, by the way? <laughs> I think I prefer remaining a tourist because I have learned from experience, luckily from other people's experience, that being a superpower collapse predictor is not a good career choice. <laughs> I learned that by observing what happens to people who successfully predicted the collapse of the USSR. Do you know who Andre Amalric is? See, my point exactly. <laughs> he successfully predicted the collapse of the USSR. He was off by just half a decade. That was another valuable lesson for me, which is why I will not give you an exact date when the USA will turn the, into the FUSA. F is for former. But even if someone could choreograph the whole event, it still wouldn't make much of a career. Because once it all starts falling apart, people have far more important things to attend to than marveling at the wonderful predictive abilities of some Cassandra-like person. I hope that I have made it clear that I'm not here in any sort of professional capacity. I consider what I'm doing a kind of community service. So if you don't like my talk, don't worry about me. There are plenty of other things I can do. But I would like my insights to be of help during these difficult and confusing times for altruistic reasons, mostly, although not entirely. This is because when times get really bad, as they did when the Soviet Union collapsed, a lot of people just completely lose it, men especially, Successful middle-aged men, breadwinners, bastions of society, 
turn out to be especially vulnerable. And when they just completely lose it, they become very tedious company. (laughs) My hope is that some amount of preparation, psychological and otherwise, can make them a lot less fragile and a bit more useful and generally less of a burden. (laughs) Women seem far more able to cope. Perhaps it is because they have less of their ego invested in the whole dubious enterprise, or perhaps their sense of personal responsibility is tied to those around them and not some nebulous grand thing. In any case, the women always seem far more able to just put on their gardening gloves and go do something useful, while the men tend to sit around groaning about the empire or the republic or whatever it is they lost. And when they do that, they become very tedious company. And so, without a bit of mental preparation, the men are all liable to end up very lonely and very drunk. So that's my little intervention. If there is one thing I would like to claim as my own, it is the comparative theory of superpower collapse. For now, it remains just a theory, although it is currently being quite thoroughly tested. The theory states that the United States and the Soviet Union will have collapsed for roughly the same reasons, namely a severe and chronic shortfall in the production of crude oil, that magic addictive elixir of industrial economies, a severe and worsening trade deficit, a runaway military budget, and ballooning foreign debt. I call this particular list of ingredients the superpower collapse soup. Other factors, such as the inability to provide an acceptable quality of life for its citizens or a systemically corrupt political system incapable of reform, are certainly not helpful, but they do not automatically lead to collapse because they do not put the country on a collision course with reality. Please don't be concerned, though, because, as I mentioned, this is just a theory, my theory. I've been working on this theory since about 1995 when it occurred to me that the U.S. is retracing the same trajectory as the USSR. As so often is the case, having this realization was largely a matter of being in the right place at the right time. The two most important methods of solving problems are, one, by knowing the solution ahead of time, and two, guessing it correctly. I learned this in engineering school from a certain professor. I'm not that good at guesswork, but I do sometimes know the answer ahead of time. I was very well positioned to have this realization because I grew up straddling the two worlds, the USSR and the US. I grew up in Russia and moved to the US when I was 12, and so I'm fluent in Russian and I understand Russian history and Russian culture the way only a Russian native can. But I also went through high school and university in the U.S. I had careers in several industries here. I traveled widely around the country. And so I also have a very good understanding of the U.S. with all its quirks and idiosyncrasies. I traveled back to Russia in 1989 when things seemed, still seemed pretty, more, uh, pretty much in line with the Soviet norm. And again in 1990, when the economy was at a standstill and big changes were clearly on the way. I went back there three more times in the 1990s and observed the various stages of Soviet collapse firsthand. 
By mid-1990s, I started to see the Soviet-American superpowerdom as a sort of disease that strives for world dominance, but in effect eviscerates its host country, eventually leaving behind an empty shell, an impoverished population, an economy in ruins, a legacy of social problems, and a tremendous burden of debt. The symmetries between the two global superpowers were then already too numerous to mention, and they have been growing more obvious ever since.